I have been doing hypnotherapy for 40 years and specializing in past life regression therapy for 30 years and a UFO investigator for 20. So I'm very varied and I have uh, experience in all phases of the paranormal and the unusual. That's my passion, is to explore the unusual. I consider myself the reporter, the investigator, and the researcher of lost knowledge. I always want to make it perfectly clear that I am not a channeler. I don't channel and I'm not a psychic, I'm a hypnotherapist. And I've been doing hypnotherapy for 40 years. I started out way back when things were simple and they had the old-fashioned methods. But I got into past life therapy and past life regressions about 30 years ago. That's my main field is I do the therapy by taking people into their other lifetimes to find the answers to problems in this lifetime. And I developed my own technique, my hypnotic technique that is very different from the ones the other hypnotists use. And that's important because I found a way to reach the subconscious where you can find a great deal of information that way. And I can have the answers to just about anything that I want. That's why I think I've been able to get the information on all the subjects that I've written about. After I began doing the past life regressions with hypnosis, they asked me to be an investigator with the UFO phenomena. This was in 1986, the same time I was working on many other projects. But I live in Arkansas, and they wanted somebody who could work with these abductees, supposed abductees. They had called in psychologists to help. Well, the psychologists would start putting them under, getting them on board the craft and starting into the scene. They would suddenly just wake the person up. And they said, sorry, I don't know what to do. I don't know what questions to ask. If it's not in the book, they don't know what to do with it. And that to me is not therapy. The person would be more confused than ever once they were woken up like that. So they wanted to know if I would help with these. They said, you've been involved in the bazaar for so long. They said, we don't think you'll be frightened. I'm not because I just uh, so curious that I go along with anything. But I had not done UFO cases. My method puts people into past lives and this meant I was going to have to focus on this life. So I didn't know if it was going to work or not. The first time I did it, they were having a MUFON meeting with um, all the investigators at a state meeting. And they wanted me to put this woman under just so they could ask questions. They were bringing her in from Oklahoma. And she didn't know us, we didn't know her. And I said, this is a goldfish type atmosphere. Not exactly the best type of an environment to do this kind of work. But surprisingly, it worked. And they didn't know it was the first time for me to try that. I knew I had to adapt my technique. They didn't know it was my first time to do it. It worked beautifully. And after that, I began doing more and more cases with UFO phenomena. And the work I've done now over the last 20 years in this field I have found to be positive. I know a lot of the other investigators are getting the negative and the fear, but I haven't found that. Some of the things I'm going to say might sound a little strange because in my work, I began to have direct contact with the ETs. And that's pretty broad. 
but they're the ones that have been answering the questions and been telling uh, me what's go actually going on during the regressions. They said that the ideal situation would be that the person never remember anything, that they be totally blanked out because that's the way it's supposed to be. These things have been going on since the beginning of Earth and many of these people, they have been following them through their life with testings and with helping them uh, their entire life. So it'd be better if they don't remember so they can go on with their life. But they said the problem is nowadays the chemistry of our brain. It's what we're exposed to with the chemicals in our food, the additives, the preservatives, and the pollutants in the air, the environment, how it affects the body. If the person is on any kind of drugs, or medications, or alcohol, it affects the chemistry of the brain. So that the information that comes through is distorted. They are remembering a, an event like a dream. They're not remembering it the way it actually happened. They are remembering it with a distorted view of what they think happened. And then you bring in fear because they don't understand it. And they said fear is the strongest emotion that humans have. And when you bring in the fear, it colors the whole experience. So, like they have these support groups, I've been to some of them, and to me, I don't think it's therapy. It's just each one's fear playing off the other person's fear. So when I began doing the session, in my technique, I'm able to get the conscious mind, the emotions out of the way. So that doesn't interfere with what we're getting. You get into the deeper part of the person, you get the real uh, meaning of what's happening. And when that happens, they'll wake up and say, well, if that's what happened, I can handle it. And then we can get therapy. And it's never the fear-based things that the other uh, therapists are coming up with. But when I was working on this for quite a while, the ETs began coming through these people because I work in the deepest possible level of trance. They would come through and they'll say, you're the one we're supposed to give the information to. What do you want to know? So they have been telling me everything about what happens with these situations, uh, what, what, where they're from, how the ships are powered, everything. And I say, you don't ever tell me, what do you want to know? Because I want to know everything. <laughs> I'm so curious, I want to ask lots and lots of questions. All right, in the beginning, I had a lot of missing time cases, which you've probably heard about, where the person has time that's not accounted for. But in some of mine, like the one woman was going, she left work and she was going to get uh, lunch. And the people in the office wanted her to get lunch for them. Well, she went out to get lunch and she comes back and they said, well, it's time to go home now. We don't want it. She lost half of the day. And another time she was going to a party and she got on the freeway. When she gets there, they said, well, you could have told us you were going to be late. It's, we're leaving now. She would lose whole blocks of time like that. So when I did the session with her, I found out she was being taken car and all off of the freeway. So I asked them, I said, can you do that? And they said, certainly we can do anything. So I said, well, wouldn't it, wouldn't you, why didn't you take the car? Couldn't you have just taken her and left the car there? They said that would have presented a problem. 
because the police would have come, there would have been a car sitting on the freeway all by itself. Much easier to just take the car off the freeway. And I said, yes, but what about the people on the freeway? Wouldn't they be surprised seeing a car going up in the air? They said they will see it, but they won't remember what they saw. So they are able to manipulate time and space and matter. I've had a lot of cases where people will be driving on a highway and see a huge UFO right over the freeway. They pull off to watch it and they can't figure out why does everybody just keep driving? They should be slamming on their brakes and stopping to see what it is because it's a very individual thing. The sightings and the experiences are only for the person if they're intended for. Many people will have experiences and their husband's in bed asleep and they, it's not for them, it's just for the one person. So it's a very individual thing. And I've had many of these where they were taken like that. I had a woman in Hawaii who was uh, at a convention and she wanted to drive down to a hotel on the ocean to have dinner. She was driving down there and she missed the entrance to the hotel. And uh, she went up a little further to turn around and go back. And when she did, she found this beautiful mobile home park with palm trees and flowers. She turns in to go around and go back. The next instant, she was on the other side of the island going the opposite direction and it was night. And later she went back to see if she could find this place again and she never could find it. So she wanted to know what happened. So when I took her under, they said she drove in and they took her up in a beam of light, the car and everything onto the UFO. But I said, but what about this place? You know, because she couldn't find it. They said, oh, we just created a place for her to see something beautiful. She would feel safe going in and turning around. So they have amazing abilities to do these things. And it's not trickery, it's just to make you feel more comfortable. There's many cases of them appearing as animals, and owls is very common, because they don't want to harm the person's psyche if they can. They want to be as easy about the whole thing as they can. And they will appear as animals and birds doing strange things. But the missing time cases are interesting, but to me the most fascinating cases are the condensed time, where something happens in a much shorter time than it is supposed to happen. And I've had one where the woman left, I live in Arkansas, and the woman left Little Rock to go home. And this is a phenomenon I've heard repeated again and again. She's driving at midnight to go home. She's driving down the freeway and there's no other cars anywhere. You got a six lane freeway, no sign of life. And then you enter what is called twilight zone, dead zone, dead sound. They have different words for it. It's all of a sudden as though they're in a vacuum. There are no noises anywhere, as though they're suddenly, just like twilight zone would be a very good name for it. They are suddenly out of reality. And she drove on until she reached the road to go to her house. And as she went up the road, she saw this huge light over a grove of trees. And she was watching that. And she got up in the middle of the road. Here again, there's no noises, no night noises, no lights in any of the houses. 
she gets up a little further, and in the middle of the road, she saw the first sign of life, if you want to call it that. It was an ordinary house cat sitting in the middle of the road on its haunches with its feet in the air, frozen in that position as it was staring at the light. And you know what was happening there. She was moving faster than the time or place around her. Like everything was frozen in another dimension. And two dimensions were sliding past each other at that time. She wouldn't have known it if she hadn't have seen the cat. The light went out like an eye closing. And she got home. It only took her 15 minutes to go home, which would normally have taken over an hour. And she went in and woke up her husband and said, uh, remember what time I came in. I had another case a few weeks later at another big city in Arkansas where the woman was pulling off the freeway at night and she also saw a huge light. And she was, was following her as she went off the, into the city. And again, it was like this vacuum, no sound, no sign of life, no people, nothing. She's driving down the street, all of the lights are going out in front of her as she approaches them. And it got so strange that finally she wanted to pull in a mall, somewhere where there would be people. And she saw an all-night restaurant, but there were cars parked out there, but there were no sign of life at all. So she went on until she finally got to her house. And when she did, the light sped off, and all of the sound came crashing in on her at once. Well, when I did the session with her, naturally I wanted to know what was going on because I'd had several of these dead zone type um, experiences. They said, just because you see a UFO doesn't always mean you've been abducted. They said, we have to stop your world for a fraction of a second. And I said, what do you mean? They said, you have to catch you off guard. I said, we aren't on guard. They said, you're on guard more than you think you are. So we have to get your attention, stop your world for a fraction of a second. I said, then what? They said, then the information is downloaded into the subconscious mind on the cellular level. So I said, what kind of information do you mean? They said, information you will need in the future when we go through the changes and we're going to have so many strange things happening. There'll be information that you need and you won't even know where it came from. And this is being downloaded everywhere. This is what I found out the crop circles are. They communicate with symbols and they put blocks of information into one symbol. It's all mind to mind. The subconscious mind recognizes the symbol and it knows the information is downloaded. You don't have to be in the crop circles. All you have to do is see, see the symbol. And this is also downloading information. They gave me an example. They said, you communicate so slowly, you humans. You put one word behind the next word to make a sentence, to make a paragraph. They can communicate with entire concepts all at one time. The concepts are in that symbol. The example they gave me was like the word Christmas. Xmas. He said, what does that Xmas mean to you? People say Christmas, but it means much more than that. You start thinking about it, you have green and red Christmas trees, nativity scene, wise men, uh, Jesus, Santa Claus, you know, bell, silver bells, you can 
fill pages full of what is in that one word. That's what they mean. Whole concepts of information are passed instantaneously into the mind, and that's the way they communicate. So that is how they are communicating with us through symbols. Some of the important information that they gave me that we needed to understand was about the seeding of the planet Earth. And um, a lot of people have trouble with this because they think that where is God in this whole picture? And are they playing God? But they say this is the way life has been done throughout the universe forever. Life is never allowed to just simply spontaneously develop. That if it, would, if it did, it would be very chaotic. And to produce a thinking, intelligent human being would have taken millions more years if it was happening by normal evolution than it would have taken. And it would still not have got to the point we are now. And they said they do this because they create life on other planets because this is the way they were created by what they call the archaic ones, the ones from the very beginning, have been doing this forever. And they said there are councils over all of this. There's definitely rules and regulations that govern everything. And the councils have the history books of all of the planets and all the records. So when a planet reaches the point that it can support life, that's a very momentous time in the history of that planet. At that time, the planet is given its life charter, and they set about trying to decide what will grow there. And they have cells from everywhere. This is part of what the sampling that goes on, the people don't understand, the testing. They are accumulating cells, sperm, ova, doesn't matter where they get them. It all goes into the massive laboratory banks in the laboratory craft. And I asked them one time, where did the cells come from that created life on Earth? They said it doesn't matter because it's mixtures. They put everything together to see what will grow there. What will grow in the primeval soup of the chemicals of whatever place it is. So they experiment to see what will take a foothold. And they begin with single-celled organisms. And they hope that it will take hold and begin to clump together to form a multi-celled organism. They said you would be surprised what you could have looked like. <laughs> but imagine the amount of time this would take. It'd be eons of time as all of this happened. In that time, they're coming back from time to time to check on everything. It's really like Star Trek. They have their assignments, and they go and check on different planets and the different stages of development, and then give it a little nudge here and there. But by the time it developed animals, then it was time to decide which animal will we manipulate the DNA so it can become a thinking human being. This is the ultimate, is to become intelligent and uh, be able to function. So they chose the ape because it had the greatest brain capacity and also it had the hands. You would have to have hands to make tools to build a civilization. So they chose that one and they began to manipulate the DNA to eventually turn it into a human being. And they said, you will never find the missing link because there isn't any. It jumped generations so fast. 
and um, eventually it became developing. I, in my work, I have had people go back to lifetimes when all of this was happening, and they were half animal and half man as they went through the evolution. And imagine the patience of these people to be doing this over millions of years as it developed. As it began to develop and became a thinking human being, they would come and live among the people and give them what they needed next. Every culture in the world, every culture has the legend of the culture bringer. Someone who brings uh, fire, who teaches them how to make corn, the Indians have the corn woman, teaches them how to plant. Every civilization has these legends. And in the uh, legends, the culture bringer always comes from the sky or from across the ocean. And that is the legends, it was what they were teaching. And they would live among these people because they can live as long as they want. They can live hundreds and hundreds of years with these people helping them as they developed. So they began to be thought of as gods. And this came down to us with legends. So that's a lot of what has been happening. Nowadays, there's so many people in the world that can't live among us to give us the next advancement we need. So it's put into the atmosphere. And anyone who can receive the idea will be the one that develops the next invention. You hear about people all over the world developing things at the same time. They don't care who invents it as long as it is invented in the time span that it's supposed to be. And that's the way it's done now. Well, this all sounded very good, but something happened to spoil the, the whole experiment. They call it the grand experiment because they said, let's give this beautiful planet a creature with intelligence and free will and see what he does with it. And I don't think they're very pleased with what we're doing with it. But the law of non-interference is very real. They cannot interfere in the development of the species. They have to just let us go along with whatever we're doing. And I asked them one time, well, when you give these things, corn, fire, uh, that how to plant, isn't that interference? They said, no, it's a gift. We give them to the people as a gift once. What they do with it is their own free will. And many times man has taken something and turned it into something negative, not what it was intended to be at all. I said, well, can't you just come back and tell them you're not doing it right? They said, no, because that is interference. They can give it to you one time. What you do with it is your own free will. After that, they have nothing to say about it. And I think that's important. It does go along with the Star Trek idea of non-interference. But something happened when the species was developing. They said if it had happened when the species was fully developed, it wouldn't have caused as much problem. But the species was developing when a meteorite hit the Earth. The meteorite had bacteria on it that was unknown to the Earth. And it created disease for the first time and they, the developing species couldn't handle it. So they were very upset about it because they knew for the first time their experiment would be limited. It would have disease and that it would die. 
This was not the way it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be live as long as you want like they do and have no disease. This meteorite brought the bacteria that the species were not compatible with. They went back to the council and said, now what do we do? Do we throw the whole thing out and start over again? Or do we let it continue to develop the way it, it's been developing? It was decided to allow it to continue to develop because so much time and effort had been put into it, not to keep it from happening. But they knew it would never be the perfect species it was supposed to be. The reason I'm telling the, you this is because it will explain the testing and the things that people find so negative, they don't understand. Now they are doing the testing on people because they're still trying to get us back to that perfect species we were supposed to be in the beginning. They're very concerned about the increase in cancer, about the effects of the environment and our food on the human body, and they know it's not helping the human body. So they do the constant testing, and many different generations. I've worked with people where the grandmother, the mother, the whole, everybody in the family have been part of this. Now, a lot of them don't know it consciously. They following the generations and as their development. And they check them to see how the body is responding. And when they're doing this, they are also trying to find cures for these different diseases people have. And they're manipulating the DNA in the people's body so they can resist disease. And also they are extending our lifespan. So I don't find anything negative in any of this. And uh, that would explain a lot of these things people see when they're on UFO, on the ships is uh, the different testings and also explains the sperm, the ova, all of that. But they have our best interests at heart because they want us to be this perfect species. We are going into a wonderful time when the whole earth is going to change. And those who have been part of this will be the ones who move into the new dimension. The, Earth is changing its frequency and its vibration to move into an entirely different dimension. And the rest of these people who have been experimented on and upgraded, so to speak, will be the ones that go on with the new Earth because they're the ones that can handle it. The other ones, their bodies can't. And they said the human species must not perish. We must have some survive. They're afraid we're going to blow up the Earth. And they said that was the only time they would be allowed to interfere, is if we take it that far. But they want some of the species to uh, be saved. And some people have told me, uh, you know, about they're here to take over the world. And I know I've heard some of the other speakers talk about the implants are to trigger them to help them be like robots to take over the world. None of that is true at all. They said, why do people say we're here to take over the world? It's ours, it always has been. <laughs> we can't do anything as bad to you as you do to yourself. So they're really afraid of us, our violence, and they're waiting for us to get out of this violence and get all of these wars and everything out of the picture, then we can join with them. That's the idea of developing a species like this. They want us to join with them and do the same things they're doing, traveling in space, because they said we have curiosity and creativity that they think would be very important to the universe as it develops.
So there's a whole lot more to this than people think. And I have not found the negativity. Once you find out why it's happening, it takes on a whole different look. You remove the human fear. And uh, they're really very caring people, and they're doing a lot to help people. Now, people have asked me if I had any contact with them. Uh, only through the people I work with. And they're very personal. They have uh, made changed my diet. They've taken care of me and advised me on where to go and where not to go. So I consider them as friends. But they've asked me if I've seen them. I told them I want to work with them, but I don't want to see them. I guess I'm chicken. But <laughs> I felt that I could be more objective as a reporter if I was not directly involved with everything that was going on. I could work, I've worked with thousands of people in my work everywhere, all over the world. I could be more objective if I could stand back and view it. So they said if that's what I want, they would honor my wishes. I've had strange experiences and I've seen strange lights and things occurring, but I just assume not be in the middle of it. And I think that's the way it should be. Um, I called them they, but they are huge groups. There are many ty different types and there are many different types of craft. The huge mother craft are like cities within cities. They're enormous. That's where the laboratories are. And the little craft are the ones that you see going back and forth. Those are the smaller ones. The bigger, larger ones are the huge mother craft. And uh, they have many people on board these craft of different races from all over the universes. It's, it's much bigger and much wider than you could ever imagine. But they all have their jobs to do and there are things that they're involved with. Uh, some people talk about the ones that look like insects. They said that's because they're different types of beings have gone in different directions. They, some went the insect line, the insectoid. Other ones went the reptilian type. We went the mammal line. It could be anything any type of life that just the way they went doesn't mean there's anything negative about it it means they function in a different way different mentalities but it's just different forms of life they don't like the fact that we're doing all these horrible things that's what they said they can't understand how we can kill someone of our own kind it just doesn't make sense to them at all idea they're trying to get us to change our civilization get over this negativity because of the violence they're very afraid of that we can't join them until we get through with the violence and these wars that we're having right now we have to get through all of that first they have told me about these things because they said in the beginning, when they were coming here, many groups were allowed to come because there were things on Earth they could use. And one of it was certain kinds of minerals that we don't uh, need. They're not that important to us, but other, other different planets and groups, this is very important to them. Some of it they use to power their spacecraft. So they've been allowed by the councils to come and take these things over many uh, generations. But as the world became more and more populated, they couldn't just land and take these things. Then they had to begin working with governments to make uh, deals so that they could take the things they need. And this has come down to our time 
is to where they did make deals with the government, the U.S. government, different ones of the world, they could get what they wanted in exchange for things they could give our government. But they said the problem is that our government went back on the deals. And I think, how stupid can you be to try to cheat someone who can read your mind? <laughs> so they began doing things that were not right. The aliens, when they make a deal, they will stick to it. But they said, we're not giving them as much as we used to. Some of the, they said one of the things they gave them was in vitro fertilization and the open heart surgeries, the very, the, uh, not the open heart so much as the, um, the artificial hearts, those that were giving those kind of information. And they said a lot of the information they gave the government was supposed to be used for peace. They, especially the um, stealth bomber, those type of information was given by the aliens. It was supposed to be for transportation. And they said the government turns around and turns it into a weapon, which it was not supposed to be. In that case, they feel betrayed. So they said, we're not giving them as much information as we could. And incidentally, with Roswell, isn't the only example of a, a crash landing. I've investigated some other ones too. There are many have come down through the recent years. And one of them was in Kentucky in the 1970s that I investigated. And the man who told me about it uh, wouldn't allow his name or anything to be used because he had been threatened by the government. The man came to me. His wife wanted him to see me as a hypnotherapist because he was having terrible nightmares and she knew he needed help. He said he was in the Army in a helicopter. He was not the pilot, but he was part of a group in a helicopter. And they thought a plane had crashed. And they came in with the helicopters and landed to, to see about the plane. Instead, they found a small craft had crashed. And when they looked inside, there were these bodies. They were all dead. There was clear fluid everywhere. Well, right at that time, another helicopter landed was full of officers. They came over and told them, you get back on your helicopter and get out of here. And we'll see you back at the base. When they got back to the base, they went under 24 hours of like brainwashing, saying you did not see what you thought you saw. There was nothing there, you know, it, that kind of thing. Then they told them, if you ever tell anyone about this, we will hunt you down and kill you and your family. Then they took all of those men and shipped them, transferred them to different bases so they would never have contact again. So I know there has been many of these cases, this besides just the one in Roswell. And when I asked them about that, they said, normally our pilots are very good, but if they are caught in a thunderstorm, it's something about the electromagnetic field, it could cause the craft to crash. And I know in Roswell, they did have a bad thunderstorm at that time. But as a rule, it's very rare for it to happen. The little greys are not what people think they are. They are robotic creatures. I called them a ro robot one time, and they said, it's not exactly a robot, it is a biologically created being. And you know, if we get around to making robots, we're going to make them look just like little humans. 
say the, the minor, the smaller version of the tall gray scientists that are on the laboratory craft. Right. Uh, when they travel, they travel by shifting their vibrations and frequencies. All they have to do is raise the vibration of the craft. It's like watching a fan blade or a propeller on a plane. When it speeds up, it becomes invisible. That's what happens with them. When they speed up the vibration and frequency of the craft, it will disappear into the other dimension. People have reported seeing a light in the sky will suddenly blink out. And other times you'll see one just appear. That's when they slow down the vibration to come into our atmosphere. This is very hard on them. They don't like to be in our density. This is a very low, dense vibration. They would rather stay out of our atmosphere. So when they have to send the, the beings down to do the samplings and the testing on the humans and take them, they will always come in the small craft and you will usually see the little um, gray beings. The little gray beings have been created to withstand the density of the earth, the heaviness. And that's all they are. To me, they're like, I call them gophers. They're the ones that just do the chores and do what they're supposed to do and take the things back because it's too hard on their bodies to enter our dimension. And sometimes people have told me they have seen like tall blondes in their room, but usually they have a see-through quality. This is because it's not really them. It is like a holographic projection into the room of this being because they don't want to experience that. So you're going to see more of the little beings in the smaller craft than you will the others in the large craft stays out of the atmosphere. Occasionally, a person has to have tests done that will have to be done on the larger craft. In that case, they will take the person and they have to speed up the vibration and frequency of the human body so they can exist in that environment for a short period of time. They do it as quick as they can because it's very hard on the human body. And they put them into a hypnotic-like state because they don't want them to remember, they don't want it to hurt the psyche. So they take them on board the larger craft, do what they have to do, and bring them back. Now I have had people talk about waking up feeling paralyzed and with bruises on their body. And they'll say, what happened? Did they take me and beat me up? All that happened was when you do this raising of the vibration and lowering the vibration again, they said they have to lower the vibration to bring you back. Just that act of breathing can create bruises on the body because the molecular structure and the cellular structure is not by the right vibration. And then when they come back into the body, it takes a few seconds to get back into this vibration and to hook it all up again so they have this feeling of paralysis if they happen to wake up at the wrong time. And the bruises are just from the shifting of the dimensions. To me, that makes a whole lot more sense. I've done lectures, and especially in Australia, and people would start crying in the audience. And I said, well, I hope I'm not saying something to offend you. They said, no, for the first time, it all makes sense. People have told me about they've seen triangle-shaped marks on their body usually three dots. 
They said all that is is when we do take you on the craft, we're doing upgrades and testing the body. If we find that you need anything, any adjustments, they have machines that do this. Some of them make marks on the body, but they said it's not important, the mark goes away, but that's all it is. It's nothing negative as people think it is. If they're very concerned about our body and what we are doing to it, the effects of the environment and the pollution, they are also concerned with what we are eating and what we are consuming. The cattle mutilation has to do with the testing of the meat to see what is in there, what growth hormones, what additives have been put into the cattle itself. The blood, they have to check all of this because it is what we are consuming. And they said they're not doing as many of these as people blame them for. But that's all it is. They said it's not only cattle, they also test the plants, many different things that we consume to make sure it's safe for our body and what is doing to our body. To me, that makes more sense than the other people are talking about. If there is a message from them is that they do want us to join with them eventually, but they want us to know we are children of the stars. We have been created and taken care of since the beginning of time. They have no desire to harm us. They are our caretakers and they love the species because they love the way it's developing. They don't like what we're doing. But if there's a message is to let people know that they are not negative and they are here to help us. They will eventually appear in mass, but it won't be until we get our act together. And at that time, we, they will appear and let everyone know they're here. And they said at that time, they would also give us lots of medications and cures and help the bodies. At one time, they, I had it a regression, which I thought was a regression. Actually, it was a future progression. A man was in a football stadium, and this huge UFO came down into the football stadium. And they got out and announced to the people they were finally going to announce themselves to the world. And they were here to help the world with the medications and all the things we were going to need. And they said this is occurring simultaneously all over the world where mass, lots of people were gathered. They would appear instantaneously all over the world to these people. And that way the governments would not be able to deny it. But they said there will still be some people sitting in that stadium who will not believe what they see with their own eyes. But we are, when this happens, we will be traveling in space, living in space, wonderful inventions you can't even imagine. They're going to give us a non-polluting form of, of power, of energy that will be placed on a space station and beamed to the Earth. And it, these are some of the amazing things they're going to give us. And the human body will be perfected to the point it will never die. But a lot of things, things are going to happen when we go into the new earth. And they have tried and tried to help us prepare, repair the old earth that we're on. We have damaged it so much. They said we have polluted the waters, we have polluted the, earth, the sky, the dirt, the animals, everything is suffering. They are trying and trying to repair it and they said it's got to the point they don't think they can do it anymore. They want people to do it, but people are not getting the message. 
and they're not going to get it fast enough before everything just is just going to come to a, a head and it won't be able to handle it anymore. This is what some of the earth changes are happening now. The tsunami in, in uh, Indonesia is the beginning of this. There will be many, many more after this because the earth itself is rebelling. The earth itself is a living being and it will come back at us. They said like a dog shaking off fleas, it will rebel. It's done it before many, many times. And if we don't get our act together, it will do this major shift. And they said they don't think there's time. They can't interfere to a, to a certain extent. They've tried to send energy into the earth, but it's not going to be enough. This is why we are going to be shifting into what is called the new earth, a different frequency and vibration. And the whole earth will shift into another dimension. And at that time, they hope this will be much better. It will be beautiful, it will be pristine, it will be clean, and the old earth will be left over here with all of the earth changes and the cleansing going on that it's going to need. But there will be millions and millions of people will be uh, will leave at that time because they will not be able to survive. And uh, Annie Kirkwood, She's the one who wrote Mary's Message to the World, was at a conference that I was at, and she talked about a, a vision she had had of the new earth. She said she saw the earth, then she saw it begin to pull apart and divide like two cells dividing. And when she did, it pulled apart into two earths. Over here on this earth, she heard them saying, we did it, we did it. Over here, they were saying, poor thing, she died believing all that. So they will not even be aware that anything has occurred when this switch happens. And we go into the new vibration, new frequency. They said it's happening now. You can feel it around you. A lot of people feel it in their bodies if they're sensitive to it. They know something is happening. We're living in exciting times and there's a lot ahead of us. We don't need to be held back by fear of these other things, fear of the unknown. It's, it's, they're all there to help us.